I'm really excited about what God has placed in my spirit and heart for the next few weeks, and um, I had some exciting meetings this week. I'm going to share with you later time here in just a few moments, but we're starting a series today, and uh, it's entitled, Get Off Your Donkey. Uh, Yeah, there we go. Get Off Your Donkey. And today is simply entitled, Do Something. Do something. This is a four-week series, and uh, how many of you have heard the story of the Good Samaritan out of the Bible? Most of you have. The others are just too tired from the weekend to raise your hand, or I don't know. How many of you have read the story of the Good Samaritan? Everybody's hand went up there. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm holy. I've read that. Sorry. And I know this is a popular story. And you know what the hard part about speaking on such a popular parable of Christ is? Is everybody knows it. I know that. I've heard that. I know that. I've read that one. I've heard that preach. And it's some good preaching in there. So, I want you to turn to somebody. And I want you to tell them in about three words or less what the story of the Good Samaritan's about. Go. Three words or less. Some of you probably just turned and uh, you told your neighbor something to the effect, it's, uh, it's about being nice. Some of you might have said it's, a, it's about being helpful. Somebody, you, you may have said, it, oh, it's, it's about sacrifice. He gave, he, he took care of the guy. You may have said, uh, it's, it's more about serving others. In your mind, it, 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 uh, you know, it, all these things are, are partially right. Partially right. However, there's a lot more to the story. A whole lot more to this passage of Scripture where Christ gives us this parable. You see, Jesus uses this parable and this teaching to teach us about how to live a better life. Anybody besides me want to live a better life? I want to live a blessed life. I want to live a better life. I I believe in this passage that Jesus teaches us to live the best life possible. The best life that that is available and possible to us here on this earth. So, So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at this story and we're going to learn together how to live a better life while we're here on this great planet earth. Now, I I could be wrong, but I think that every one of us are all about learning to live a better life. I think we're all about learning to have the best life possible in this journey. See, this is a journey. You're somewhere today you've never been before. You're going to be tomorrow somewhere you've never been before. We're on this journey together. And I want to start off by sharing a story that I I heard this week and and looked up and, and just kind of followed up with it, but it's a story about a young girl named Kyra Woods. She was a 17-year-old high school student who, who played soccer. She, she's from Grand Falls, Ohio. And this young lady, she, she went out as most 16, 17-year-olds do in off-season looking for a job, and she got a job at, the, at a local diner. And um, she went to work just to help out her family, just to, to be able to contribute and, and to be able to, to not be a drain on her parents. Well, while working at the diner, she meets a gentleman. 
an 82-year-old widower, and his name was Bill Cruston. Now, Bill would come into the diner for lunch and dinner, and, and you know, a lot more than anything, he's an 82-year-old widower. widower. He, he came in to socialize, to fellowship, to have some connect with people, just to talk to some folks. And he would come into the diner, and Bill was kind of a, uh, well, I'm just going to say it, he was just a grumpy old man. Come on now, you get 82, you deserve the right, I guess, to be a little grumpy, amen? He was just set in his ways, and he was just kind of a, a bullheaded elderly gentleman, if you will. And Kira was just this young, bubbly, full of life. Their personalities kind of just were like this. They, they really, it was just one of those things. But through that, they developed this friendship. They developed a relationship that it turned out that Cairo would end up going to his house and, and helping him run errands and, and would do minor chores around the house just to help uh, uh, Bill out. And, and they just became really tight friends. Well, one day Cairo received a phone call that Bill had been admitted into the hospital. He had had a congestive heart failure and he was in there for a few days. And, and Bill had one picture up in his room. And yeah, you guessed it. It was a picture of Cairo that he kept in his room. And it wasn't but a few days later that Kyra got the phone call that Bill had passed away. You're going, gosh, Pastor, you're telling us such a downer story. Let me finish. What she didn't know was that there was a, another message coming. And just a few short days after she got word that Bill had left her everything. He had left her over $500,000. And Kyra, being a young lady, she invested it. She uh, uh, ended up going to college and getting her degree. And, and now she works in the community making a difference in her world. And you see, what is so amazing and incredible about this story is that Kyra, she rolled up her sleeves and she dove full force in. And she helped somebody and developed a relationship with somebody, not knowing that a blessing was coming in the end. She dove in to help this gentleman and just develop this relationship. She saw a, a lonely gentleman and thought, you know what? I can do something here. I, I can do it. He's a little ornery. He's a little rough around the edges, but I can do something. So she dove in and, and she helped this gentleman. And I believe when we roll up our sleeves and we help somebody, that God always has a way of bringing around a blessing. He has a way of bringing it around. You see, when we are just kind, and I'm going to be honest, I don't understand why it's so hard sometimes for us just to be kind. When we are just kind and nice to people, it always comes back. When you're kind to folks, it will come back. And you see, over the next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to dive deeper into this passage of Scripture we're getting into this morning. And, and, because I believe that every one of us can uh, become a better person by embracing four principles that I'm going to point out from this passage of Scripture about the Good Samaritan. In Luke chapter 10, we're going to begin reading in verse 25, and it says this, One day, 
an expert of the law, stood up to test Jesus. That's a brave dude, isn't it? He stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? You know, helping people out was at the core of who Jesus was. And here this expert at the law comes at Christ with this question. Now when we read this question, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? We automatically go, what do I have to do to go to heaven? What have I got to do to to make it to heaven? What have I got to be to to get there and and to make it into heaven? We automatically go to the afterlife. and, And we're assuming that this guy is asking, okay Christ, how do I make sure that I pass from here to there? How do I get there? How do I get into heaven? And and folks, that's a real question. It's a great question. And, And that is an important question. But that's not the question that Christ is addressing at this particular time. In their minds, in this time and place where they're at, when the question was asked, how do we inherit eternal life, they didn't see it in the Jewish context as being the afterlife. That's not how they envisioned it. You see, they interpreted it as, Jesus, how do I live my best life now? How do I live the best life right here on this planet earth? In other words, how do I live in step with God? How do I live in tune and in harmony with God? Tell us. And you know, this lawyer asked this question because he was looking for purpose. He he was looking for something in his life. He, He was looking for that purpose and he was looking for that fulfillment he was looking to see how can i live a better life how can i live a better life christ and he stand up stands up to jesus and he puts jesus to the test and he says okay messiah how do i live the best life right now and i believe when he asked that question it was kind of one of those questions that somebody asked in the whole room kind of goes they kind of lean in going all right What's he going to say here? How's he going to respond to this one? How's he going to answer this question? They're all wanting to know, how do we live our best life now? I wish that I had the influence that Christ did. And when I threw that question at everyone, you went, tell us, Pastor Scott. They all leaned in, I believe, just wanting to hear how he was going to respond, waiting to hear how, they, how, how to have a life of purpose and how to live their best life. And, and he responds, what does the law say? Verse 26, and how do you read it? How do you interpret it? In other words, he answers his question with a question. And he says, when he asks, what does the law say? He's talking about the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He's wanting to say, okay, how do you interpret this? You are an expert. Now, you've got to remember, he's talking to an expert in the law, and he says, you tell me. How do you read the Torah, and how do you interpret what you see happening there? How, how, how do you see it? Now, 
in the first five books of the Bible, there are 613 commands. And in this day and time, experts in the law were expected to memorize and know all 613 of them. They would come together uh, along with the priest and, and some of the religious leaders, and they would come in and they would debate these laws, and, and they would uh, talk about it, and, and they would rank these laws, kind of like we rank college football. No, this is the number one. No, that should, no, no. And they're talking. And I don't want to talk about ranking football at this time of the season with being a Tennessee fan. Uh, throwing it out there. They hurt my feelings yesterday on talk radio. I, I was listening to it. They were talking about Alabama hadn't played anybody and this one that. And they got to Tennessee and they just said Tennessee's terrible. And they kept going. I turned it off. But they, they would rank these laws just like we would rank a, a team. And they would go back and forth about which commandment was the most important. And Jesus responds to him and says, if you want the best life possible, if you want to live this best life that is out there, what do you do? I want you to do what you know to do. He says, tell me. And he comes back, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And what's happening here, he's saying, put God first, and all the other things are going to fall into place. Put God number one, and everything else will fall into the proper perspective and fall into the proper place and where it's supposed to be. Folks, that's a message for all of us. Put God first and everything else is going to work out. This is a message for us today. If we want the best life possible on this earth, put God first. Put Him first. We need to put God first in our lives. You know what? And then when we look around at the things that we're involved in, Whatever you want God to bless, put Him first in it. Put Him first in it. You want God to bless your family? Put God first in it. You want God to bless your finances? Put God first in it. You want God to bless your marriage? Put God first in it. You want God to bless your job or your business? Put God first in it. Whatever you want God to bless, you've got to put Him first first in it. And folks, when you put God first, your life is going to change. It's going to change. You're going to begin to see things differently. You're going to begin to, to, to see things more clearly. You're going to be able to see, you know, have you ever felt like there was just this fog? The other morning I was taking Emily to school, and man, it was just foggy. We couldn't see. And then all of a sudden you drive out of it, and it's just beautiful and clear. You put God first, you're going to drive out of the fog. You're going to see a whole lot more clear because when Jesus comes in, he lifts the fog. As a matter of fact, it's what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12. And he said, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus wants us to walk in the light. And so many people I see, they push the light away and they want to walk in darkness. Really? The problem is when you walk in darkness, you have a tendency to stumble. 
you have a tendency to trip and fall. So we got to turn the light on. Amen? You know, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to wait a minute for that story. Here's the point. The further away from God you get, the more confused about life you get. The further you push God out, the more confused you get. You get confused about it. And when you push God away, you start moving towards the darkness and you separate yourself from God and you just continue to get more confused. But the closer you get to God, the less confused you become. When you get close to God, you've got clarity in your life. He's going to open your mind to new thoughts. He's going to open your eyes to a better life, to walk in peace and, and to experience the joy that He has for you. So Jesus said in this passage, put God first. Put God first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. You see, that's what this place is to be about. I don't know if you saw our sign when you came in, but it simply says love God and love people. Luke 10, 27 is our theme verse. Why? Because I believe people matter. People matter to God, they better matter to us. People better matter to us. Let's read Luke 27, leave it all. We'll read it all. He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You know what Jesus is doing right here? He's teaching the golden rule. Golden rule. He's teaching the golden rule. The golden rule is presented to us on the Sermon on the Mount, and it's simply what? Treat others the way you want to be treated. Treat other folk the way you want to be treated. You know, this is such a valuable lesson, and we instill it in children, and we teach it to our kids, but folks, this is valuable no matter what stage of life you are at. Whether you're 110 or you're 10, it's a great principle. It works. Treat others the way you want to be treated. What's he saying? Just be nice. Just be nice. There are some Christian folks, I, I, I believe people would fall over if they just smiled. Just be nice. Be kind to people. Yeah. Folks, I know this is just a simple truth, but it is so, so important. Be nice. Be, I'm going to say it again. Be nice. Be kind. It's so valuable. It's so important because when we get this and when we're kind to people, God can use your kindness to get his message through. I'm telling you, I, I am praying and believing this place is going to be known for its kindness. We're going to be known for our kindness. We're going to be known for being nice to folk. But we got to learn to be nice. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. One more time. we got to learn to be nice. Why is it so important to be nice? Because when you're kind to someone, it sparks conversation. It sparks conversation with them. And do you realize that conversation with someone who does not know Christ or who is far from God 
I believe that when that conversation is sparked, I believe that God leans in, and I believe Holy Spirit can take that conversation and put a twist in it to spiritual matters. I believe it with my whole heart. And just maybe you're going to have the opportunity to say, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Folks, that's the secret ingredient. Be kind. Be nice. That's going to be the secret ingredient of this house because I believe wholeheartedly that what Pastor Tony spoke over this congregation last week is going to come to pass, and it's going to come to pass because we are kind and nice to folks like Jesus told us to be. We're simply Jesus with skin. Let me give you a, can I give you a perfect illustration that happened to me yesterday? Has anybody besides me had one of those weeks? I'm telling you, folks. Brother Mike's going to preach, brother. <laughs> it, I'm telling you, from sunup to sundown, every day it seems like. It's just been crazy, and yesterday was no exception. I got up, was, came to prayer, got the phone call that the Brinkleys, keep them in your prayer. Their, their, I guess he's about 30-year-old son was in a very, very bad automobile accident on uh, about 3 o'clock in the morning. And matter of fact, they wrote it up as a fatality. But praise God, he's alive and he's going to make it. He's, he's good. And I go to the hospital. I sit with him through surgeries. He's got both legs are broken. His face was crushed. I mean, he's a, bless his heart, he's a mess. I was running from that, and my poor wife had broke a tooth at work, and we found a dentist that could work on it, so she's having a little procedure done, so I'm running from there to go make sure she's okay and get her dopey self home, and then I, I run to Kroger's, and I've got to get her pain medicine and get her antibiotic, and, and I've got to be at a wedding in an hour to do a wedding over in Townsend. I run into Kroger's, I'm running to the pharmacy, giving it to her, and I, as I'm running in, I see a young lady that I, I've really been working with her husband and just ministering to him, just pouring out to him. I've taken him to lunch and just, just really sharing Christ, just being Jesus with skin on us. Jesus laid this on my heart several months ago, and you're finally getting it. And I'm just trying to kill him with kindness. And there she is with her new baby, and she's getting groceries. And she's got this big old buggy of groceries. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? And Holy Spirit just tugs on my heart. Help her. I don't have time. Help her. God, I've got a wedding. I gotta go home and change. I'm in shorts. I stink. I gotta, I gotta get a wedding. Help her. I stop. I said, come on, let me help you with your groceries. Oh, yeah. Carrie, take your groceries out. I'm unloading them. Just, just talking. Nothing about church. And she tears up. And she says, thanks for befriending my husband. I really want to get our daughter in church. All because I was kind. The door opened, and I was able to walk through. You see, God will take your conversation. If you'll just be nice. Somebody just please smile. Again, please, somebody just smile at me. Please. Just be nice. Be kind. Be kind. Jesus is saying treat other folks the way you want people to treat you and, and your household. Love God with all your heart and, and love your neighbor as yourself. Luke 10, 28. And he says, you've answered correctly. You do this and... You're going to live. You love God and love people and you're going to live. You're going to have a good life. Jesus is saying do this and, and you're going to have a blessed life. You're, you're going to have the best life available. But the lawyer's not satisfied. This expert in the law, he's not satisfied with this. He wanted to justify the scripture says in verse 29 and he asked, Who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor, Jesus? 
You know, us, we would kind of go through, well, the Joneses live here, the Smiths live over here, and uh, I'm not sure about these folks, but they wild and crazy. And then we got this one over here, and we begin to describe our neighborhood. That's not what he was asking. That's not what he was saying. You see, this was not the case in their mind. In their mind, there was this big debate on who qualified to be their neighbor. They were Jews. Who's my neighbor? You see, most Jews thought their neighbor was only other Jews. They thought that only another Jew could be their neighbor. In other words, people who thought like them, people who looked like them, people people who believed the same religious system that they believed. Most Jews didn't think that other folk were their neighbor. They wanted to deal with people that were like them and only with people like them, who who liked their team, who who voted the way they voted. Uh Uh-oh. This expert in the law, he was trying to box Jesus in and say, oh, all right, who's my neighbor then? You know this is a debate. How are you going to answer this one now? You, you've worked your way through. Now let's see how you're going to answer this one. And he tries to box Jesus in. So Jesus responded with a story. And that's my introduction. Are we good? <laughs> Which leads us to the parable of the Good Samaritan. And this is how Jesus answers the who's my neighbor question from the expert in the law. Let's begin reading with verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Notice he's going down to Jericho. And when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, And when he saw him, he moved to the other side of the road and and passed by. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But, here Jesus goes throwing the twist in there again. A Samaritan. And I believe when Jesus said, but a Samaritan, all those Jews went, No, not a Samaritan! God, no, no! not a Samaritan they're dogs but a Samaritan as he traveled came where the man was and he saw him and he took pity on him he went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring an oil and wine then he put the man on his own donkey brought him to an inn and took care of him The next day he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Verse 33, he took pity on him. He took pity. What that's saying in this story is something I preached a couple of weeks ago. The Samaritan slowed down enough to see a man in need. He slowed down enough to see a man in need. Now, I'm going to be very transparent with you all through this series because I'm telling you, if this isn't for anybody else, this is for Pastor Scott. Because there's a lot of times that I'm not like that Samaritan. There's a lot of times that I don't slow down. A lot of times I'm I'm not like him. Because in my mind... I'm just too busy. 
to slow down and take care of them. So busy that I possibly may fail to see somebody who's hurting. So busy in my mind. Maybe you can relate. You know, you have two or three things going on at one time. You've got to be here and you've got to be there. And you, you've got this going on. You've got this on your mind. And you, you're trying to get this kid to football, this kid to cheer, this kid to volleyball, and this kid there. And you've got all this going on and you get so wrapped up because we're so focused on our own issues. So focused on our own life that's happening. And I hate to admit it, but that's me a lot of times. I get so focused. And this is where this whole series has evolved in Pastor Scott because God has really been putting on my heart what we say we're about. People matter. People matter. And here's the whole point. I preached about it all week. A week ago, slow down so that God can show you the needs of those that are close by. There was a lady in our church. My daughter, as most of you know, I've talked about it. She started a new school this year. Hardest decision this little 15-year-old girl had ever made in her life. She cried and cried and cried, and she started this new school. For the first two weeks of it, there was a lady that would call her every single morning to encourage my daughter. Every morning. And after the phone call, Emily would just perk up. She's not a morning person. She's like her mom. They're ill. You know, don't mess with them until after 10 o'clock. They're ill. But every morning I knew just to, because I'm a morning person. I'm giddy and I'm picking at her and I'm just laughing and having a good time. She's like, shut up, Dad. But every morning after that phone call, a smile would come over her face. Because somebody slowed down enough to notice a need in this young child's life. Somebody slowed down just enough. And this is what this passage is telling me about this Samaritan. Scott, slow down. Look around you. Pay attention. Notice when I put things in front of you. Notice when somebody is hurting and take time for them. And we so often think that this is about the needy and, and, and those on the other side of the tracks. Uh-oh, the unfortunate. Those people over there, over there. That's who this is. Hmm. Maybe it's for those on the other continent or in the other county. You see, what we see with the Good Samaritan is the need was right there beside him. He just slowed down enough to look over and see the need. He found the need right in his path. And the message is, is, the message is that you and I need to slow down enough so that God can show us the needs that are close by. You may be sitting in front of somebody that has a huge need that you can meet. You may be sitting beside somebody that, that just needs a hug. You may be sitting beside somebody that just needs a smile. You may be sitting beside somebody like my Emily that, that just needs a phone call in the morning to encourage them. So who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is that person in need. That's who your neighbor is. 
That's the message. God, show us those in need close by. This is such an interesting story that the, the writers of Seinfeld, does anybody know who Seinfeld is? Anybody remember the series of Seinfeld? Can I see your hands on it? Make sure I'm not the only old folk in here. There's a lot of you younger folk that you're going, Jerry Seinfeld, who's that? Let me tell you a little bit about him. Jerry Seinfeld had a sitcom, and I had to look it up. It went from 1989 to 1998. And when it came time to close out, the writers thought, you know, we've had a great run. This has been a good, uh, a good sitcom. Now, how are we going to close this thing out? How are we going to close that? Well, they came up with this grand idea that they're going to close out, and the final episode is going to be based on the Good Samaritan. On the Good Samaritan. Now, I'm just going to tell you, if you look it up and watch it, it's not a positive example for us to follow. It's not. In fact, let me tell you how it happens. Here's what took place. You see, you've got Elaine, George, Kramer, and Jerry, and they're walking down the sidewalk. And as they're walking down the sidewalk across the street, they see a guy getting carjacked. What do they do? They start laughing. They start taking pictures. They're just watching and, and, and just carrying on, and, and this guy's getting carjacked right across the street from them. They see him get pulled out, and, and they just start, they're just staring at him. And then they start taking pictures, and then they start making fun of him. And then when the police get there, the police comes over to, to all four of them, and he says, you're under arrest. George says, why? We didn't do anything. And the officer says, that's exactly why. And he looked at him, and he said, what? Yeah. Have you never heard of the Good Samaritan Law? If there's good that can be done, you're required to do it, and you did nothing. So you're all four under arrest. And they take them all four to jail because they broke the Good Samaritan law. And the last scene is you simply see them in the jail saying one to another, this Good Samaritan law is crazy. And do you have that picture? I've got a picture of it. And George says this, why would we want to help somebody? That's what the nuns and the Red Cross workers are for. Why would we want to help? That's what they're for. And you know what's sad? That's how we think a lot of times. That's how we think a lot of times. How often do you think, yep, there's a need out there. Let pastor handle it. Oh, there's a need out there. Let the government take care of it. That's why we pay taxes. Let me tell you what happened to me this week. I'm in one of these mad dashes to go to a meeting. I'd gotten tied up here and counseling with someone a little longer. I was cutting it close. I had about four minutes to make a ten-minute drive. And I go busting out the door. And there's two people sitting right under this little cedar-looking tree right up here, spread out. And I felt the tug on my heart. And you know what I did? I kept going. Just being honest. Josh, I got about halfway up the road. And I started crying. And I turned around. And they were gone. Because I was too busy. 
too busy to be kind to somebody that I possibly could have helped. I could have possibly led them to Christ and their lives forever be changed. But I'm admitting to you as your pastor, I blew it. I missed it. And how often do we have the same mentality as George? Why would we want to help? That's what cross is for. That's what livid's for. That's what the church is. Why would, why would I want to do it? And before you know it, we miss an opportunity to help somebody with a need that's right there in our path. Because we're just too stinking busy. And I know some of you are probably sitting there going, Pastor, I didn't come to hear this. I wanted to come here. You got me up. And I want to see you doing a backflip off the stage. I want to see it too. <laughs> and I want you to know that I'm not preaching to you or at you. I'm just sharing my struggle too this morning. Because too many times, we're like George. We see the need, but we're too busy. Too busy to reach out and give a helping hand. And the goal of this series is to help us become better people. To become more Christ-like. And the biggest way that we can become better people is simply by doing something. And that's the title of this week's sermon as I'm wrapping up. Do something. Do something. I am totally convinced the best way we serve God is by serving other people. That's how we serve Him. You may be saying, Pastor, my, my neighbors are doing better than I am. <laughs> I get it. But if we're to enter into this story, we have to redefine in our minds who our neighbors are. We have to redefine that it's not just that person next door to us. It's more than that person in the cubicle next to us. It's more than that teacher that on staff. It's more than the students. It's, it's more than the business owners. It's more than the doctors. It's more than the lawyers. It's more than the government officials. So who's your neighbor? Your neighbor is that person in need. Whomever it may be. That person in need. It doesn't matter if it's a person right next door to you or the person down the street or if it's a person across the world. Our neighbor is the one in need. And my prayer has been, as I've been praying and preparing for, for these next few weeks, is God, help me help others. Help our church help others. There are people all around us in need, folks. And this week, I'm going to challenge you to begin to ask God in prayer, God, help me help others. Help me to help others. Because there are some folks that they just may be in a bad season. Maybe they've just been out of work and they just need some encouragement. They may just need help with their kids. I don't know if you realize it or not. You can change 
a world. You can change a life by being involved with somebody's kids. You don't believe me? These clubs we're doing on Wednesday nights, teachers, they're working. I had a parent tell me this week in my adult class, Pastor, I wasn't going to come tonight. But my kid made me. They couldn't miss. They wanted to be in club. I said, so what you're telling me is I stink and they're great. You're making a difference. Get involved. Don't be afraid to step out and take the opportunity to get off your donkey and do something. Do something. Do something. Well, I'm not sure. Here we go. Serve Day 2019 is coming at the end of this series. October the 27th, wear your work clothes to church because we're going to serve. I've already got the projects ready. We're working and partnering, partnering with Livick. I'm going to be talking to some of you about heading a team. We're going to come in here on October the 27th. We're going to have about 10 minutes of fired up worship and praise. And then we're going to split up and we're going out of here to serve our community. There are needs. Some, some of the needs are, we may look at it and say it's just simple. But it's a shut-in that has nobody, nobody, nobody visiting them. And I'm going to send a few of you ladies to go love on some ladies. I'm going to say, we got one that, man in a wheelchair that just needs somebody to come by and change sheets and love on him and, and be Jesus with skin on We got one 96-year-old 96, 96 lady that needs a ramp. We're going to build a ramp. Build a ramp. You know what's beautiful? The supplies are there. I've got, I don't know who you are, but somebody's going to step up and say, I'll be the team. I need somebody to stay here and lead the team that's going to fix lunch for everybody when we get back here at 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon to fellowship and talk about what God done. We're going to serve. So I'm going to challenge you. Somebody stand up and take a picture of everybody that's here so I know and remember who's here. <laughs> what I'm saying is you better not just let me be the only one here to do all these projects. I'm just kidding. I know better. You're going to be here. So what's Pastor Scott telling you today? I just want you to get off your donkey and do something. You don't have to wait till the 27th. That's going to be a corporate day for all of us to go do something. It's going to be a corporate day. We've got yards. We've got some elderly. that, that It's a jungle. You can't even see their house for the stuff growing up on it. We're going to go cut it down. We're going to cut it down. Roll up your sleeves and get off. You know... You may say, you may unsaddle from your dog and say, you know what, I, I can't do that, but I can help over here. I can assist in that boys club and, and get this together or that together or, or bring a cupcake to them. Or I, can do, I may not be able to go over here, but I can help back here or I can help over here. Just get off your donkey and do something. Do something. Do something. Huh. And then we're going to be brought into this story. And we're going to realize that we're here to bless folks. And when we bless folks, I'm going to tell you, encouragement and blessings follow. Can I tell you one more story about my week? It's 12 o'clock. Can I have a couple more minutes? My wife saying, no, shut up. <laughs> no, she didn't. As I told you, Ronnie, Becky and James' son was in a bad car wreck. And I was there early that morning and stayed with them quite a while. My mom went after I did and stayed with them and I went and did the wedding out in 110 degree weather and 
the bride was late starting. By the time she got there, I was just drenched with sweat. Matter of fact, I'm doing the wedding and sweat's dripping off my nose where I've been out in the sun. So my nose are flowing and I was tired and I, I just really felt that I need to go back to the hospital. So I called my wife and said, I'm, I'm going to run back by. She said, yeah, you need to go ahead. And I go to the hospital and they just brought him back from his, is it third surgery? And he's having another one here in just a little bit uh, to put another rod in his leg. Uh, and he just come back from his face reconstruction surgery, and he's laying there, his eyes are all swollen, and uh, they say, well, we're going to come in and wash you off, Ronnie. We're gonna, he had blood all over him. We're going to wash you and clean you up a little bit. And I said, Ronnie, I, man, I, I'm so glad you're here, and um, that you stayed with us. I said, but I, I'm going to pray for you because I don't want to see this when they start to wash you off. I don't want to do that. And he smiled, and I reached him, and I grabbed his hand. I grabbed his left hand, and I start to pray. I said, God... I just thank you for my friend. I thank you for leaving him here with us so that you can show yourself to him. Because I'm not convinced that Ronnie knows Jesus at that particular time. And about that time as I'm praying, I feel him move a little bit in the bed. And he reaches over with his right hand and he grabs the top of my hand. And I look up and there's just tears. That may not mean much to you. But as this old boy was leaving the hospital, somebody probably thought somebody died in my life because I'm just, <laughs> I'm just crying. I'm walking to my car. I'm like, Thank you, God. Thank you that I slowed down enough to listen this time. And I went and I was Jesus with skin onto this young man. Because that prayer may be what gets that young man's attention to make it to heaven. So what am I telling you? Get off your donkey. And do something. Do something. Because you know there's one day coming that we're going to give an account for our lives. And you know, I believe that as my personal belief is as we stand before God, I believe God's going to ask me two questions. I believe He's going to say, you know, okay, Scott, why should I let you in? I could say, well, I've done this and that and that. No. The only thing that matters is that I have accepted the forgiveness of my sins through the blood of Jesus, His Son. And that I have confessed and asked Him to come into my life and receive that forgiveness that He gave me. Have you received that free gift today? You see, because after Tony's sermon last week, I said, God, I'm going to quit assuming that everybody knows you. You may have taught Sunday school for 10 years and don't know Jesus. Do you know Jesus? And then I believe the second question he's going to ask me is, what did you do with the gifts that I gave you? What did you do with them? What did you do with the talents I gave you? You see, we've, both, we've all been given gifts. We've been blessed financially. We've been blessed with resources. And we've been blessed. And I was going to say, what did you do with the resources I gave you? How did you use the resources I entrusted and the gifts I entrusted to you to enlarge my kingdom? Did you get off your donkey? Did you get off?
And I'm getting ready to close in prayer. And I'm going to do it a little bit different. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads right where you're sitting. Maybe you're here today and you're, you feel like you're that man that's been beat up and left half dead on the side of the road. If that's you, I'm here to tell you that he's here today to bring healing to you too. If you don't know Jesus, I'm going to ask you at this time, in your own way, the word says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And all you got to do is ask him and he's going to come in. Father, right now, if there's one that doesn't know you, ask that. Draw them. Woo them, Holy Spirit. Let them sense your nearness. Father, right now, move upon them. I thank you for bringing healing into this place. And God, I pray that even though this wasn't a, a preachy preaching, that God will take this teaching and we'll apply it to our lives when we get up in the morning and we'll do something. Help us to slow down and notice the needs around us. And God, help us to see people the way you see them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you're in here and you ask Christ into your life, or maybe you made a recommitment, tell somebody. Tell somebody. Get off your donkey. And tell somebody. How do you do that? Well, one way is October the 20th, right after, and as a part of our service, we're having a baptism right here. That's a way to publicly say, this is an outward confession of what I've done in here. We've got several young folks and some adults who are wanting to be baptized, and I'm going to challenge you. If maybe you need to be baptized. Let us know. Let us know. Let your friends and family know that they can be here to be a part of it. So October the 20th, we're having a baptism service. I love you, church. And I know this was a totally different service than you've anticipated. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to lay it out there. Every week is going to be a little bit different style of service. Next week, we're talking about missed opportunities. We're going to talk about the, the priest and the Levite. Don't let that be you. Be here next Sunday, Pastor Corbin. Would you come and dismiss us in prayer?